Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Forti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed. So let's begin. So I had the pleasure of having a recent phone chat with Kurdish Kiwi singer Nuri recently. She's been named as an artist to watch and I connected with her story because she was born in a Syrian refugee camp as a Syrian refugee and I served Syrian refugees in Germany and Lebanon and life in the camps is not easy. It's unsanitary, there's domestic abuse, there's just all kinds of injustices. So I was able to understand a bit her early life story, but at the age of three, she and her family were blessed to go to New Zealand where she grew up. And while life has not been easy for her, uh, it's her blossoming music career um, and her experiences as a computer scientist uh, that has helped her to stay humble. Um, I really enjoyed this chat with Nori because she just she's an amazing person and she has this heart to want to give back and help others, especially uh, refugees and especially people from uh, the Middle East and especially Kurds. And while her music isn't Arabic, it's so full and it incorporates husky vocal tones and superlative songwriting. We laugh in this chat. We talk refugees and her life in the West. She's actually currently in LA working on her music career uh, as LA is the best place to take her career to the next level. And we talk country music. Oh, M goodness. We both love country music. Stars in my book because as a Kiwi, as a Kurdish Arabic woman, she gets country music. Okay, we're like best friends now. And then we talk about more women needing to be in STEM careers. Um, as I said before, she's a trained computer scientist and she's got a heart for championing more women to be in this field. And we talk her music and where she envisions her music career going. So I hope that you get inspired by this chat with Nuri that even if your life has come from immense challenge, it can change. And with hard work and passion, you can go to where you want to get to in life. We're often the ones holding our our futures back, um, but listening to Nuri's story, anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And with faith and trust in God, we can do 
almost everything. Um, we can certainly do what we've been called and put on this earth to do. So enjoy this interview with Nori and make sure you go to YouTube and uh, check out her sounds and follow her on social media. Nori, thank you so much for being able to join the podcast today. Uh, your music career, just your life is inspiring. And uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, of course. So um, you were born into political challenge, being born into a Syrian refugee camp. And I, I can only imagine having actually spent some time in Syrian refugee camps, just refugee camps in general. They're not clean places, lots of challenges. Can you talk a little bit about what your parents had to go through and it, what it was like for them to have a new baby in such a challenging environment? Yeah, well, I can tell you from the start because I'm actually Kurdish and my, my mom and dad's house in Kurdistan got bombed during the Gulf War. And from then, they had to flee to Iran. And at Iran, at the borders, they were denied. So they had to walk all the way to the Syrian borders where they were actually granted refuge. Uh, so that's where, at that time, my mom actually had two other sisters that were babies. So that was already a challenge, just traveling from one country to another by foot. Uh, and I can't even imagine what, what that was like. But, yeah. you know, we, my mom made, you know, the tent that we lived in made it feel like a home. So we, you know, me and my younger sister were born in, in the Syrian refugee camp. So, you know, I can't even imagine what it was like for my mom. But for us kids, all I remember, honestly, was playing with rocks and, you know, going with my mom to fetch water. And, you know, but for me, that's all I knew. So I didn't think it was. You know, that was life for me. I didn't know it was any different than what life is supposed to be like. You know, playing with rocks over, like, my toys. Yeah. And fetching water was just, you know, that was like going to the grocery store. It, it was normal for us. But my mom made it feel like we never had any challenges, which she's the most amazing person on this planet to me. Yeah. Uh, just because of that, you know, like, just long story short with that, we really didn't. As kids, we didn't know that we were struggling. Mm. But my mom, she had to go through everything. And I, I know it was the biggest challenge for her, just having to switch water with, you know, four kids already. And, you know, having my dad then, they weren't really on great, the greatest terms and everything like that. So it was really like a single mother, even from while, like, my dad was there, basically. Um, and it was, you know, it, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's very dirty. Yeah. The hygiene isn't great. Um, medical is you get the bare minimum uh, and luckily my sister actually had some medical problems that had happened to her so um, that's when New Zealand actually opened up their doors for us and they were like you know you can come into a country and seek medical attention just because of that serious wow I like westerners do not understand what refugee camps are like unless their family has that sort of history and I just take my hat off to your mom because I can imagine she was very young herself. Um, yeah, she was like a teenager, so I can't even. Right, so can you, I can't even imagine because when I was, she was, you know, seven between seventeen and maybe twenty, twenty-one. 
I can't even imagine at that age being in that type of environment, having four kids yeah. and having to just try to survive. It's just the craziest thing to think about and it honestly makes me sad every time because I already know that there's people still there going through the same thing. That's what kills me every day. Yeah, it, it is. Um, in Lebanon and in Jordan and I do, uh, you have to be strong to be a refugee and... Um, my gosh, four young kids. It's it's really not easy. Um, and But at least you didn't feel like you were a refugee. Like, that's all you knew. So you, you just enjoyed life and you played with other kids. And I'm sure that when you got to New Zealand, it was a, a different world. Like... Do you remember arriving to New Zealand? What was that like for you to adjust to a completely different country, culture, language? It's, honestly, again, it's very, very... I remember glimpses of it, of coming to New Zealand. Um, it was very difficult at the beginning. I would have to say, especially for my mom again, because, you know, she doesn't... This is a foreign place to her. She's being displaced and being put in another country. She has to learn the language. She has to, she didn't even know how to drive. So it was more everything my dad did. We had to kind of follow with that. But as as the as the years went on, she 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 was able to get her independence. She got a driver's license, which was I remember the first time we ever drove with my mom in the car, and it was just the best mm-hmm. feeling because she finally felt like she could do something herself, and it really just. Just thinking about it now, it just makes me want to cry. But, you know, like, I remember we were, like, driving down um, the road, and she was like, well, if I can drive. Like, it was just such an accomplishment for her. Yeah. And, you know, because her studies were taken away from her. Schooling were taken away from her because, you know, Middle Eastern, they get into marriage quick and everything like that. So that was one thing that she could have for herself, which was so amazing to see. And it's always the little things that... Others might not see, but we see, and we were just like, cherish. Yeah. So that was, you know, getting a driver's license, um, knowing how to use public transport, because when she didn't have a car or a driver's license, we didn't even really have a washing machine or anything like that, so she would have to bus to go to the laundry mat just to wash our clothes and everything like that. So I, can't, I really can't imagine what, how much of a struggle it was for her. But even for us kids, you know, like, we would go to school with plastic bags as our school bags because we couldn't afford normal school bags or bury any food. Even being, you know, in a country where you're able to get these types of benefits, it's harder for, you know, a, a family that doesn't really know English, doesn't know the system, doesn't know the language. So it's, you know, it's starting again and starting from rock bottom is really, really hard. Yeah. So it. <laughs> and, and to be curved on top of that, um, the Kurds have not had it easy in the Middle East, so it's it's like um, an extra layer of challenge than the camps, than a new life in the West. Wow, right. <laughs> I yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a lot. It's a lot to deal with, and <laughs> but when you started. Uh, life in New Zealand, I guess you just adjusted yourself, you and your siblings, and um, I, did you take to the, the music? I mean, like, how did that happen with your love of music 
did it start in New Zealand? Yes, it it did start in New Zealand because, you know, us kids, we would just stay home and watch TV if it was after school or before school. So we were always watching TV and it was always a music channel that we had on. And at that time, it was, you know, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey, and all of those legends, in my eyes, that were on TV. And I would just, I would be so close to the TV that I would just see the pixels. And because I wanted to be in the TV and see them. (laughs) So, like, I would just listen to the songs as well. And I would copy the way that they sang. And, you know, it sounded good in my head. I just didn't know if I was good or not. So um, one time when I was nine years old, I practiced this song. It was When You Believe by Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. And I performed it in front of my school for the talent quest. I don't know where I got the courage to do that, but I did. And I received a standing ovation and I won the whole thing. And it was, I was just shocked. I was really shocked. I was just like, wow. One, I got a standing ovation. Two, I know I can sing now. <laughs> and three, this feeling was just an amazing feeling. Is and that when you... I, oh, sorry, go ahead on. The next day after I, I won the talent quiz, there was a mom from one of the other students that was chasing me with a paper. And she was like, I want to give you this. And I was like, what is this? And she's like, it's singing lessons. I really think you should continue singing. And that was just such an amazing feeling for a stranger to believe in me that much. I knew I can believe in myself that much if a stranger could do that. Right. And was that the, like the aha moment that you realized you wanted to be a singer? 100%. I was, I was like, after this, I want to chase the feeling again and get many more stunning ovations. Like, this is what I want to do. Wow. And so I imagine you went on this journey of, taking voice lessons and were you involved in like a school choir and then I, asked, I, I went to the I, I, I took the singing lessons but I didn't continue getting singing lessons one because it was expensive and then two I was just learning off of the, the people that I loved so uh-huh. like Aguilera, I would sing all of her songs and things that she would do in the songs I would try to copy and then I'll make it my own so I've honestly learned how to sing just by copying other singers yeah. When I was younger. So that's wow. how I learned how to sing. Yeah, and yeah, I just been practicing ever since by doing that. And now your music on YouTube are getting like over a million hits. How does that feel? <laughs> that it it feels so surreal. I just can't even put into words how how much that means to me. Just because, you know, it's one thing putting out covers of other people's songs, but mm-hmm. when you write your own songs and record them and put them out and they get that type of response, it's just, it's crazy because, you know, I see other people doing it, so then when I do it and I get that type of reaction, it, it's just amazing. I, I really, I don't know how to put it into words. I'm just speechless at the support that I got. And I'm sure it, like, motivates you to just keep going because music, acting, almost probably any field in life um, or the creative fields, you just have to keep going because there's probably a lot of days where nothing's happening and you just have to keep the the faith. Yeah. No, and it's very hard because, you know, it's one thing having talent, but you have to have the work ethic that matches it because I always say hard work trumps talent. 
100% of the time just because you have to think about how many people are really trying to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to be working harder than every single one of them. And that, and being in the U.S. as well, it's harder. It's not like, um, I live, yeah, and it's not like I live here, so I have to face many other you know obstacles that come with it. So like being here for a temporary amount of time, um, not just that, it's finding a place to stay at. It's very expensive out here, and just having the world to go on every day is is crazy. But I want it so bad that I never think about this like the obstacles like that. I think of you know one day here is a day I didn't have like yesterday, or if I'm in New Zealand, um, you know I don't have the same opportunities that I have over here. So I really take advantage of every single opportunity and every single day, mm-hmm. which is why I never have a bad day. Right, one that I never had. I would rather have bad days than great days in New Zealand. Yeah, and that probably keeps you humble because that's one. That's something I wanted to ask you about. Like, how do you stay humble in the midst of your rising music career? Um, and then you you come from humble beginnings too. Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure, I think that's why I stay very humble because everything for me is bigger than music. My whole purpose in life and in music it's all bigger than me it's because of my background and because of you know where I'm from and just all of that and doing what I'm doing like singing it's putting all of that together it's bigger than music for me because it's you know it's my purpose it's I'm now doing this for millions of people that feel like they couldn't do it yeah. So if I'm that person that's going to be the first one to be able to do that and do that in the U.S. where it's so hard, mm-hmm. I, I know in myself and I believe in myself enough to know I can be the first one to do that. And I won't stop until I do. And that's really what keeps me going, keeps me very, very humble every day. Yeah. To do it. And you have, you have to stay humble in this because if you don't stay humble, you get lost in everything and all your values and your whole goals and everything, it just changes. Yeah. It's not why you started it. not why you this. Of course, I can imagine. And then um, you also probably really want to be like a good role model to other Syrian uh, children and to refugee children um, because there's some really inspiring models who have come from like a refugee background who are rising up and um, I'm sure that the young kids um, are also looking up to you as well oh that means so much I hope I hope so and you know I get messages every day from you know people from back home whether it's from a refugee camp or whether it's just from Kurdistan or somewhere in the Middle East where I'm from it's so amazing getting these messages because it's, it's, oh my God, these messages literally consist of, oh my God, you can do it now, I believe I can do it too. And that's all I want to be able to give to, you know, I want to give hope back to people of where I'm from and where I started because you can do it too. That's, that's 100% the message I'm trying to send out. And I hope I am that role model for them because I'm not going to stop until I get to where I need to. And once I'm in a position of, you know, having a big platform and things like that, I'm able to give back and give back to the people that want to do exactly what I'm doing or even a different um, pathway, but just helping them and doing that. 
that's yeah. really my my goal is to be able to give back to my people and to anybody actually. Yeah, and that's what's most important, that you give back and help back other people who are trying to get there. So can you describe your sound? Like, how would you describe the sound of your music? I would say my sound is very vulnerable, emotional, but it's also upbeat, so it makes you want to dance as well. And the best way to describe that is it makes you want to dance and cry at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Wow, and it's great that you're able to achieve both so that people can connect um, and relate. For sure. Um, And that's 100% what I want people to take from my music is I love to say things in my music that I wouldn't normally say in a normal conversation because I I don't talk about my feelings, but I will sing about them. And I will sing about the things that people are too scared to, to, to talk about. Yeah, that's really great. I'm curious, um, are you a country music listener? Because country music really is great at being able to connect with emotions, and it's relatable. I'm just curious. Wow, it's crazy that you say that, because country music is my favorite genre because of that reason. <laughs> and I really start all my songs like they're a country, country song. Yeah. It's it's so crazy, honestly, that you say that because I've had three people this week tell me you like oh, your music sounds like it could be a country song as well, which is perfect because I'm like that's great because I know I'm storytelling now and I know that you know my song means something. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a huge country music fan, and the reason why it it has stayed relevant, I think is because of the stories that it tells. And Ray Charles was a huge country music listener, and uh, he often sang with country music performers. And he said the reason why people connect with the genre is because of the storytelling aspect. So that's awesome. Maybe you'll be performing sure. with a, a country music <laughs> star at some time. I hope. I hope so. I'm going to, honestly, my goal is to make a 100% country song as well and I it's going to be so easy to do because it comes so naturally to me I love country music yeah. I love it and it, it's so relevant it stays relevant and because it's timeless music that's that talks about music you know it is uh, who's your favorite country music performer like um I would say I would say Rascal Flatts and Dan and Shay at the moment uh, and we Young Yes, they're all great. Um, next week, I'm interviewing Chase Rice. Um, I often interview country artists, so that's really cool. Segwaying over to a different genre, um, I also really love Arabic music. And your sound wow. is not like Arabic at all. Um <laughs> But are you inspired and influenced by some of the Arabic music artists out there? Honestly, yes, because especially with the instruments and the sounds, yeah. I'm really like in my up tempo music that I'm doing right now. You're gonna hear a lot of Middle Eastern Arabic inspired instruments and sounds in my music, and even you know a couple words here and there. Or in Arabic or Kurdish, so okay. I'm really trying to put 
that into my up-tempo fun records because, you know, it's, it's my culture and I love to dance, so it's, it's just putting that all together and it's being great. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, I interviewed um, a, a Jordanian singer this summer in Dubai and uh, he is a fan of country music and he actually made this song that fuses Arabic and country music. I didn't think you could do it. But um, wow, that's amazing. the sound, it was, I mean, it, it really is amazing that you can fuse the two together. And one thing I'd love to ask your thoughts on this that he mentioned is that Arabic music is not as... Mm, accepting or quick to accept like other genres it's very much staying in its own lane um do you agree with that and would you like to try and um have an impact on arabic music where it's you know maybe bringing in hip-hop and country sounds and pop sounds like literally there's one song that I've done and it's such a big song because I've added those elements and I've, I've basically mixed it with like it's like pop Arabic-ish um, it's like a pop Arabic type song it's really mm. really amazing um, and, and, I, and next week I think it is next week I have like a week long camp that's dedicated solely to mixing my culture with the music that I'm doing. Oh, that's really awesome. Um, yeah. Wow, that could really make an impact on Arabic music, because I feel like there's not a lot of fluidity with Arabic music. Um, as he said, yeah. it stays in its own lane, and um, I think that only Arabic people really listen to Arabic music, and I, it would right. be great for other, like, for the Kiwis, for the Aussies, for the Americans, the Westerners to get acquainted with Arabic sounds. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Uh, like, my whole thing is really, I'm trying to make sure that, you know, everybody knows of each other. So, my culture, everybody knows my culture, and I know their culture. So, that's why I'm mixing everything together, and I'm making sure that everybody around the world knows exactly who I am and exactly what type of music I'm doing. And, like, you know, my culture and the Middle East, I just want everybody to know about it because they don't know about it enough yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you ever desire to live in the Middle East again? Or are you going to always be between in New Zealand and L.A.? I feel like, I feel like New Zealand, one, has you know, become home because I've been there since mm -hmm. I was very, very young. Mm -hmm. um, Career-wise, L.A., I have to be here. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to stop me from visiting or traveling for long periods of time um, back to the Middle East because I'm really planning on doing that, especially when I release all the music, um, the rest of the music and everything like that. And yeah. I start touring, it's definitely, I, I think I'm going to start in the Middle East. Oh, wonderful. Is there an artist in the region you'd love to collaborate with or, yeah, perform with in the um, region? Top of my head, I'm trying to think. I would probably have to research it more into that, just because I have to be 
Liverpool would be a great collaboration music wise. Yeah. Um, but I'm so down. I'm so down to collab with like everybody over there. Of course, and I, I know they would love to to work with you because so. um yeah it's like coming home in a way. Um, of course. Yeah. So, um, two last questions. Um, who inspires you? Like, who do you look up to? Whether that's in music or in your family or any. I would, I would honestly, it's, it's always going to be my mom. Just, she just set out so many, you know, great values in us. And um, she's just so strong as mm. a person, as a mother. As a friend, she's just such an amazing person, and that's who I'm always going to look up to, no matter what. Um, whether it's in music, whether it's in life, whether it's in love, whatever it is, she's just so amazing to be able to, you know, just raise six kids on her own, seeing what she's like through what she's been through. It's just crazy, and to still have a smile on her face and still the kindest heart at the end of it. Wow! It's just, it's just so amazing. Yeah, I I want to meet your mom because um, I mean any refugee mom, I think especially um, Middle Eastern refugee moms because they get married so early and to live in any camp, oh my gosh, six kids, but four of them were in camps, right? So I just uh, I'd love to shake her hand. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm sure one day it's gonna happen. Yeah, I hope so so too. Um, Okay, so the last question. Um, Zayla, um, the magazine here, uh, Zayla is the German word for soul, and it's about empowering others and helping others climb to their dreams. How are you helping others get to where they're trying to get to? Through my platform, I'm really trying to do that. So this is why I work endlessly. I wake up 6 a.m. every day just to make sure that I'm going to be at a certain place where I'm going to be able to help others, whether it's through making their dreams come true as well. You know, there's organizations that I want to start to help specifically, you know, refugees and families in need and displaced families um, and things like that. And also... Another organization I want to start is actually educational. So I want to, because I studied computer science. Wow. Random fact. I studied computer science. and That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, and I just think there's not enough women in tech that, you know, they think it's like a male-dominated industry. But we do need more women in, in computer science and in tech and technology because that's really where the world's going. And women are just so intelligent, I think. So, it's, you know, there's organizations like that that I want to start to encourage other women to be able to do that. And, um, you know, whatever tools that they need, I want to be able to help help do that. Um, I want to make sure that children can study if they want and not, it not and it be an option for them rather than, you know, you can't study because you don't have the tools for it. Right. So there's a lot that I want to do. It's just trying to make sure that I, I plan it all out really, really well. And I just can't wait to give back because that's the purpose of life is giving back. Especially when you get something, you always give it back. Of course, of course. And then you're blessed too. And you can move up and then continue helping others. 
move up. So that's, that's the only reason. That's the only reason why I want to do everything is to be able to get back. Just you know, God puts you in a position because He knows you, you're the one to be able to do that. And I feel like I'm, I'll wholeheartedly take on that responsibility because I would want nothing more than to help other people. So that's why I just can't wait to do all that. It's very it's gonna happen very soon because I'm working every day nonstop. So it's something I really want to do straight away. Wow, well, you will achieve it, and I just pray God's highest and best for you um, so that you can um, help other people. Yeah, we were put on this earth to uh, use our gifts and talents to serve other people. It's not just for us. Exactly. So, yeah, no. that's that's inspiring. No, exactly. Yeah, well... Nareet, thank you so, so much for your time and for doing this interview, and I'm going to keep my eye on you. <laughs> thank you so much. That's so sweet, and thank you for everything that you're doing. You're doing amazing, amazing things, you know. Everything that you're doing is Thanks. You're great. You're a really great person. I try. I try. <laughs> you're doing a great job, I'm telling you now. Oh, thank you so much. It's We all have our callings, and uh, I'm just following um, the call that God put on my life and, and obeying Him. And um, He has, at this season in my life, called me to the Middle East. And, uh, yeah, so I try and help That's others. That's amazing. Yeah, and not many Westerners are keen on going to the Middle East, so no, it has to be not God. Not at all. <laughs> right, but but you know what? That's our job to change that, and you know by hopefully by twenty twenty two or twenty one, you know there'll be more people going back to the Middle East. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully, so lots happening in this region, but uh, that's true. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I really really appreciate it, and thank you, you know, for interviewing. Of course. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at zaylamag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine, S-E-E-L-E Magazine. Till next time.